0: Love Talks Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Hello, and Happy New Year. I know I'm late. This is, <laughs> this is, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. I have been trying to get this show up and running and um, had some tech issues, had some recording issues, equipment issues, you name it. I just couldn't get it done, and I started to do it the old-fashioned way, do the call in, you know, use the phone, to call in, and, and do the show. I was like, no, I got all this stuff that's supposed to work. So I'm going to make it used. But anyway, I am your host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and here to empower you, my listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Follow us on all social media. On Facebook, we are... uh, the Zero Network on Facebook. Go there. Like that page. You get to listen to archive shows from years back and get to hear how crazy I've been over the years, I suppose. <laughs> Go there. Zero Network on Facebook. Like that page. Follow us. Also on Twitter, follow the show. The show handle is at Zero Radio, at Z-E-R-A Radio. And my handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. We're just so glad that you decided to uh, listen to this broadcast today, this new year, 2022. And man, it's already started as a roller coaster. Uh, I know a lot of you are, are fully aware of the new strand, variant, or whatever they're calling it, of C-19. I've been impacted by it. I have family members who have been affected by it hospitalized by it's been crazy and i thank god all of us are recovering so hey uh hey be safe be safe i i i, I am vaccinated and boosted <laughs> i was reluctant to get that boost i tell you but uh um, i'm glad you know like many of you listeners you may have been reluctant regarding vaccinations but we have enough data now we have enough data to support any argument um, for it, man. And we know that it uh, that does not stop you from getting it at all. Being vaccinated or boosted does not stop you from getting it, but it does limit the severity of it. You're less likely to have severe symptoms. You're less likely to be hospitalized, and you're definitely uh, – uh able to recover quicker. At least that's been the experience for uh majority of people. But anyway I didn't want to get in on that rant. We we've had a lot. I wanted to talk about last week uh going into the King holiday and uh in following the anniversary of January sixth, I, I wanted to talk about all of that fiasco and, and everything, and I think a lot of news media outlets, both conservative, progressive, liberal, they uh, they just wore it out. And as um, the committee that is overseeing the investigation, uh, what we're discovering is that there's really not much there. This seems to be kind of a pseudo-planned, but mostly um uh, just spontaneous event. And yes, uh, there is support that those persons bought into the uh, the falsehood of election fraud. And that's understandable. We all are gullible people. We're all gullible people. And those people were moved by the idea that the person that they strongly supported had, you know, lost. And um, you know what's funny? While I'm talking about this vaccination, uh, former President Trump has been, you know, back and you know, making news. I guess uh, there's there's a hearsay that he's he's going to run in 2024. And then, you know, we got two old white guys. What what doesn't matter <laughs> for black people? Watch it, watch it. We got two old white guys. Poised against each other. That's how it was in 2020, and pretty much how it'll be in 2024, uh, unless they they pit someone um, a little stronger than Kamala Harris, um, maybe even a little more melanated than than her, against someone like Trump or Ron DeSantis or who else? Plenty of other people uh, who can be pitted in both parties. But anyway, we just know from my own perspective, there's just me. My own perspective the last four election cycles have not been really worth festing in. I voted and and I've learned that you're really voting for the lesser of <laughs> two evils. But that's that's just my my thought. I am not a uh, uh a pundit, I'm not a, anything like that. I'm just you know, weighing in my little two cents. But anyway, I digress. So the committee is still subpoenaing people. Uh, now they're going to bring in, uh, I think, Giuliani and um, the lady lawyer, I cannot think of her name, who was, who actually represented, made the, the claims at all, most of the federal courts uh, for Trump regarding an election violation and claimed to have the, um, what is, what's, she, what's she call it? <laughs> oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the Kraken. Yeah, that's what she called it the Kraken. She, she said that she had the Kraken that was going to blow open the, uh, the reality of election fraud. But anyway, there's the pin in them and other Trump um, supporters. And it's really just, honestly, we're paying for this committee to come to a a conclusion that we already know. These are people who feel um, that they are being pushed out. And and that's what this really is. This, This is what it's really about. These people feel that they are being pushed out. And President Trump, former President Trump seemed to have given them voice, right? Uh, and I'm not just talking about those persons who uh ascribe to supremacist views. Uh not talking about that. I'm just talking about common blue collar American, black and white, moderate and independent, and even some progressives. They they, they bought into the voice that they seemed to have through President Trump, and they saw what was really happening under his administration. You know, when you looked at the numbers and you saw unemployment, especially in black, you saw what he's doing for the HBCUs. You saw how he was really trying to be as diversified. Now, there were some tokens, plenty of tokens, and there are plenty of tokens in every presidential administration. It's just that it was heightened because of. Trump, you know. But anyway, so he gave rise to their voice, I guess. And now those persons uh, went on last year and, uh, in support, and you know, you know what happened. Now we we see going into 2022 election that that's poised to shift. Now those persons will have a, a, a voice, hopefully, you know. That voice will be heard greater um, for those who are Republicans, for those who are Democrats, more particularly those who are progressive Democrats. We've seen the turmoil that has happened within that party (laughs) going into 2021, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on as we talk about the Voting Rights Act. But, you know, it's just interesting as the political – wins, shift. And at every midterm, always there's a shift. It, whenever there's a new president, the midterm is always a shift. We've seen that, especially since the late, uh since 90, what, 95, when Bill Clinton was president in his midterm, and New came, and there was a Republican majority, and we saw all that, that vote out, and then we saw with Obama, when he was elected 2008, and then 2010, midterm rolled around the republicans took control of both houses well at least one house i believe i don't know if they had control of the senate but anyway say so all of that that's just shifting and for many persons who have not been observing the broader picture this is this is paranoia for them but for those who even well even for those who have been ex- ex- and, you know, observing the broader picture over the last 30-plus years is still uh, a bit paranoia for them. But I I digress. I digress. It's going to be an interesting 2022. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Anyway, that was my little – I didn't intend to get off on that big tangent. I, I really didn't. But you know how it is. I I get to run in my mouth, and because this show is unscripted, some I get to get off on these random tangents. But uh, anyway, let me get to one of the topics I want to talk about today. And there's so much that I really, I really want to get in because, uh, like I say, I'm behind, and I'm trying to play catch up when it comes to all of the headlines and um, uh, stories that have been trending. Uh, I didn't talk about Megan Good and um, her husband divorcing. Uh, Now I cannot think of his name. Jeez. Um, Anyway, Devon Franklin, thank you. Uh Devon Franklin and Megan Good divorcing and the rumor meals of God's, You know, it's it's all over the place. Now, as a person who has been divorced for a very long time as a pastor, married as a pastor, and divorced as a pastor, I could I can empathize a little bit with what he's experiencing. It's not well, he's not a pastor, so but as a preacher you know it's never a good thing when preachers divorce because it gives this this sense of shame guilt and especially uh if what led to the divorce is something like infidelity on their part but in this case with megan good and devon franklin as far as we know there is no infidelity but uh we basically have uh got, Garnered that it is what well, we in the church call unequally yoked they were unequally yoked, and uh that unequally yoked she desired to live her life as a modern woman career first and all of that, and um you know he he was he booted up his profile raised because of his relationship with her but she wasn't really into the church thing. And it's hard because, you know, he's a Seventh-day ministry, uh, Adventist preacher. And they can, it can be very challenging to adapt to that particular uh, doctrinal uh, denomination. But I pray well. I pray goodness for both of them. And divorce is never easy. Good thing is they have no children and uh, they seem to be amicable. And, and maybe it will go from, one thing to a positive thing we never know uh what else what else have i missed what have i missed uh oh man i can't uh, so much that was going on just happened um i usually get a lot of my stories from the old black church blog post um and Brock and, and I tell you it's full. You have to go and visit her site and get a lot of information. Sometimes I even listen to um, YouTuber Larry Reed. Uh, he has a show called Larry Lee R- Larry Reed Live, and you know church gospel stuff too. But there's a lot of things that um, I, I thought I wanted to get into. but we'll we'll get into it in a minute, but let me get into let me let me get two things that happened over the weekend that made national headlines uh the first thing that happened was a a person entered a synagogue in Texas in Colleyville, Texas and held congregants there hostage for hours eventually uh allowing them to be released but but um after they were released he was later killed by uh, law enforcement and he was identified as a british citizen who came here to the states and he came into the states legally he, he was uh, some reports say that the british had him you know, they had him profiled but the states did not have him profiled he came in legally he was supposed to be in the new york area somehow he managed to get from the New York area all the way down to Texas. And his demand was that uh, a particular person affiliated with Al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations be released. This is a a lady. And I'm not even going to try to say her name, mask her name. But anyway, uh, she's in a federal prison down in that area, and, and he was demanding that she be released. Um, and from all accounts, the rabbi of that particular synagogue was heroic, he threw a chair, uh, allowing his parishioners to escape. Uh, and the hostage situation, uh, like I said, ended with the uh, hostage person uh, being 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 killed. But uh, but this was live streaming on Facebook. That that was the crazy thing. It was live stream on Facebook and this guy came in um, and just, you know, had all these demands and it's I'm so grateful that those persons there were able to to um be free. He let some of them go. Um but the first, you know, uh the, the the good thing is that um people acted swiftly including the, the, the rabbi and um that's that's one thing. The other thing that happened, as you may have seen, is Pastor Mike Todd, Michael Todd, who pastors the church in um the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, a mega church there, and pretty. Um, he's an author and a pretty popular uh, young pastor, and I do mean young, you know, both young in past in age and pastoring. Uh, and he he did a sermon and he used the illustration and he used the text in Matthew eight where Jesus uh, uses spit to put on the, the blind man, and God gets his sight. Well, in the clip, and I was trying, I had the clip ready to play, along with some other clips from um, Charlemagne, the God of the Black Breakfast Club. They played it, and he. they did some, you know, they had a conversation about it. And I had that clip all ready to play. And so we could you know, I can give my reaction to it and boom, it would not work. I mean, it just, just didn't play and I'm like ah. Anyway. So Pastor Michael Todd in the clip that has gone viral and the apology that has also gone viral following the uh clip, he has his brother on stage and again going through this illustration of Jesus putting spit he spits into his hand he takes the spit that he spit in his hand and rubs it on the brother's face and you could hear you can hear like Ugh, from the crowd and you could see if you could actually see the video and you can probably find it anywhere online right about now how how even the brother's like man why you just you just did that for real for real <laughs> and then what makes it worse I believe what really makes it worse is the fact that the illustration that he was trying to prove did not tie in contextually with the the story, the narrative in the actual scripture and when you read the actual scripture you know this man was was crying out for God um, hold on. Let me let me pull it up real quick because it, it's it's interesting. And first, I am by no means condemning Pastor Todd. I've been a young pastor, and I have used poor illustrations on more than a number of occasions. And I I trust me. I know what it's like when you have you're trying to do as much as you can and you you really want uh you really want people to to get it and and I think I gave the wrong scripture you know what uh you really want people to to grasp the word of God, and illustrations really do work really do work uh, um um And um, when when they do work, people are benefited from it. In the years I've used a number of illustrations. Mark eight twenty three is is the actual scripture. Um, I've used illustrations plenty of time. Matter of fact, (laughs) I've even used music illustrations. I never I never forget one sermon I I was preaching. Uh, I. I I needed something to really draw the people in, and um, and I, I used a James Gra- a James Brown uh, clip. Uh, Papa don't make no mess or uh, something like that. Papa don't take no mess. I think that's right. Anyway, I used that illustration to <laughs> to keep the people engaged and they were because I knew my audience, you know, I knew they would get the reference right off. And when they heard the music playing over the P A, the first thing they thought was like that's somebody playing loud music. <laughs> and uh then they realized, oh, wait a minute, that's coming out of our speakers. Now, to be honest with you, we at the time our PA used to play country music through it. They assumed this was to be as loud as my preaching. But anyway, so the sermon is... i, I said say it all, that to say that the sermon illustration is a wonderful tool to help people better understand scripture, better apply scripture to their personal spiritual growth and development. And sometimes preachers uh, or younger preachers you know, they... You just gotta go over with it and I think this is one of the case. And some people were saying, well maybe he should have used water instead of his own spit Especially in his day though this day of Rona. That was the uh that was the worst thing he could have done. Um, so it, it really begs to differ. Um what could have been done, how he could have made it work. But either that's neither here nor there. Anyway, he makes the illustration. He goes on. He apologizes for the poor illustration, and it. But so many people have have been attacking him and calling him out. calling him negative. I I've been in ministry thirty years. Thirty years I've been preaching. I have preached some bomb. Some sermons that have bombed, and I have preached some sermons that have landed the well and resonated with people for days, weeks, and even years after they have heard it. I have you know used poor choice of words in sermons that comes that's part of the territory, but you know we're in this area day and age now where it's it's just crazy you have to. He's spot on continuously because everybody's your you have such a wider audience now not just your your in-house members especially the mega church where you're broadcasting all this stuff and because um in this day of, of virtual church services anybody can tune in and everybody who's tuning into your service are not christians they're not intending or trying to be blessed by the message sometimes they're just trying to find stuff to to blow up you know some people are cloud chasers and they just find stuff to um you know get them clout and unfortunately a lot of the people in his audience at that time that's what they did and uh he he won't live this now and it, well he will eventually maybe twenty years later <laughs> but the one thing. That is certain, is that he has room to grow. He's probably, hopefully, he's learned from his mistakes, and he'll find better ways of using, it, you know, different illustrations um, to prove this point. Now, Todd is the news for this now, but there are plenty of preachers without his large platform. Probably have done worse. They just don't have the you know, the platform and viewership and anything like that. A lot of preachers nowadays, are, they're schemes. They're, they're scheming. They're, they're, they're trying to manipulate the environment of the church and the worship experience so they can seem more powerful, seem more anointed, all seem deeper. And it draws people, but at the same time, you know, it, it turns people away. There's a brother who has a Christian uh, a channel on YouTube called Smart Christian Channel, and I I want to encourage you to go check out his channel. It's a good uh, uh good channel. It's very informational. He presents a lot of argu- sound theological arguments. I don't always agree with uh, some of the things he says and some of his positions, but for the for the most part, he's able to uh, soundly dissect not just the scriptures but also dogmas doctrines around the scriptures to help you better understand uh the the entirety of scripture and make it applicable to you and that brother's name is smart uh the channel is the name the smart christian channel so go check it out but anyway he did did a video the other day talking about leaving you know not a christian anymore not following jesus or anything like that and he 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 was addressing the fact that There are a lot of people leaving the church, and there really are. There are a lot of people leaving the church, some because of stunts like this, others because they feel in some way spiritually neglected, abused, something like that. Others because, you know, they just are reading Scripture, and as they read Scripture without any religious lens, they they find themselves in conflict as to how to how can they be a person of faith when they read the scripture that depicts a whole lot of things that don't help faith or in some ways even seem to contradict faith and then there're those who are just you know they just tired the church for them was something they had to do and now that they no longer have the obligation they just they don't do it or church for them was predictable they knew what was going to happen every Sunday, for the most part. They're just like, why do I need to go to church if I already know this is going to happen? You know, I can predict. Uh, uh, there's plenty of videos of uh, people predicting what the preacher is going to say because the preacher says the same thing, or tunes up or hoops every Sunday, and they can, they have the same hoop so they can be easily imitated. Or the people who claim to we'll be speaking in tongues and all that stuff, and they say the same babbling words over and over. And, and easily imitated you know <laughs> so why would they go to church for foolishness like that but either way uh part of what we need to do as pastors part of what we need to do as people of faith is when we see incidents like what happened both at the synagogue and at uh with pastor todd is we need to Try to frame all of this within the broader uh of what it is to be a person of faith, a Christian faith in particular, and how we can look beyond the individual and their acts now I'm not talking about when they do things that are just outright wrong you know if they're they're stealing or if they're uh infringing on the rights of children and women or Even more, you know, some um, fringing on the bodies of women and children. When they're doing that, yeah, we should call that out. That is is unrighteous, that is unjust, and even if it's happening in the church, we have to call that out. But when it's something simple as (laughs) a poor illustration, you know, we got to look beyond that and say, hey, everybody doesn't get it right all the time. But that's neither here nor there. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back for the break. I'm going to get into the topic of the Voting Rights Act and um, try to help you understand what all the uh, hubbub is about. So um, we're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back. find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at LegalShield. LegalShield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to LegalShield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you, I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs. And I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. So, if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so, I recently learned about Skillshare and... It's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have, and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine: photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you you'll love it. You're great greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash Zero Today Radio. Dr. Lorenzo Neal, Happy New Year. For those of you who are just joining us, I appreciate your support. Listen, if you have not done so, I want to invite you to go and get my latest book, a book of poetry titled, He Was Clean. It's available on Amazon and LorenzoTNeal.com. Go. It's a book of poetry that will be blessings to you. Uh, I I really enjoyed writing it, and I know you will enjoy reading it. Go get your copy right now. Now, all right. So let's shift into this last thing: um, Voting Rights Act of 2021. Some of my colleagues in ministry over the last over the weekend did a um, hunger strike to support voter rights. Um, now, I, I understand the sentiment about it. A lot of them did that because the rhetoric that has been pushed by mainstream media is that voter rights, particularly for blacks and other minorities, are under attack, and because the Senate is not acting on uh, a bill that was passed last year by the uh, U.S. House uh, regarding Voting Rights Act, and because the Supreme Court uh, delivered a, a, a judgment Uh, uh, 2013 regarding the Voting Rights Act, people have been led to believe that the voting rights are are under attack. Now, also because some states, including some moderate states, passed legislation um, that would come across as restrictive when it comes to voting um, and <laughs> now I'm not, I'm not going to lie uh, the Georgia uh, law that was passed regarding uh, some voter restrictions kind of was uh, a little bit outlandish for me you know they, they, they said don't even give people standing in line water or snacks because that could influence the vote now that is ridiculous but they passed it It made no sense to me, whereas other states uh, went as far as, say, look, we're going to adopt voter ID laws to verify, you know, in response to all the accusations that happened in 2020. We're going to require that voters prove who they are. And to the average person, that's okay, because for the most part, you have to show identification just about anywhere else you know, so why not show it when you vote? And so anyway, in two thousand twenty one the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And the Voting Rights Advancement Act was intended to basically uh supplement things that were taking out um in the supreme court's decision no. and um add a little bit more federal quote unquote oversight and revising the criteria determining which states and political subdivisions are subject to section four of the original nineteen sixty five Voting Rights Act now. What it basically does, the House, what they basically said is, one, we want to allow um, election day, federal election day, you know, for president to be a national holiday. I'm all for that. Uh, When I was teaching school, our school was a polling place. One of the schools I taught at was a polling place, and it was very difficult, very difficult for, you know, you know, to have the students there and make sure that they did not interact with the voters, uh, some of whom were their parents. But it was also difficult for those of us who were working to get off in time to go and vote, you know, on during, for a federal election. If the polls closed at 6 o'clock or the polls closed at 4 o'clock, if we had a part-time job that – yeah, especially when we was teaching, you know, you had a part time job, you had to go to that part time job, which meant that if you didn't vote early in the morning before work, you might not get the opportunity to vote. So federalizing um, uh national making the federal election for president a national holiday, that's a good idea. I think anybody would be in support of that. But then they went so far as to say, uh no voter id required for all elections now this is where uh republicans said this is overreached uh because uh elections here in the united states are not nationalized as much as we uh, believe they are they are not nationalized because every election has both local state and federal in most cases, you know, sometimes on the same ballot and uh, they're off season, you know, there's not a, a definite day for election across the board. So some states have their, like here in Mississippi, we're an off, off year e- election. So our governors, you know, our state officials are elected. Not doing every four year, they're elected every four years, but just not a, like on twenty twenty four or twenty twenty eight, something like that. No, they're not elected like that. You now it's an off year, so it's twenty nineteen and twenty twenty three, which you know, in some cases, because people are conditioned only to vote in federal elections, they don't vote in that. You know, in state elections, the voter turnout for most cases at the local level. You know at the municipal level and the state level is you know kind of low there's always especially with primaries there's always low voter turnout for primaries and, and but though we make primaries a big deal when it comes to federal election for for president as, as far as who's you know party delegates and you know all that stuff super delegates we learned about that in twenty o eight and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, uh, elections are not nationalized. And even within each state, you know, there are variations of election modalities. So not every county in every state or every parish, when we talk about Louisiana, uses the same election modality. There are paper ballots, there are computer ballots. There are, you know, ballots that are scanned in. So, you know, so when you talk about, the, in this sense, it's, it's best, especially at the local level, to require that. When you nationalize it and say no, don't, don't require ID, well, in the smaller rural areas where everybody knows everybody, that may work. But in, when you're talking about it at the national level, no, that won't work. The other thing they were proposing was uh, um, it does address some of the discriminatory practices, and it, it, it does seek to protect all Americans' rights to vote. But that is what happened in '65. All Americans, legal citizens are entitled to vote that cannot be taken away, all right? Cannot be taken away. What happened with the Supreme Court was there were states under federal mandate, you know, they had to have the the federal observers come in and watch elections. Well, after 25 years, those, you know, states proved that they were compliant, with the laws, federal regulations, all that stuff, and so basically um it was brought up like, well, there's no need for this anymore because they're compliant and now people are saying, well, since the, re- the Supreme Court has removed that they those states are trying to go back to that and they're they're no longer is they're no longer following the compliance they're making up their own rules and more restriction, so that it gives the impression that minorities now will less likely vote because they won't have the means of doing so, which is not true. They'll always have the means, but I can tell you from being in a a capital city when it comes to a major election for mayor, city council, black folks still just don't turn out in a majority black city. Still don't turn out. It's a low, uh, low vote population. But so some some are arguing that these states, particularly southern states, because you know the South is always affiliated with slavery, uh, Reconstruction, Jim Crow. So it, it's always targeted towards southern states doing that. But really, it's not southern states, and, and most of the restrictive voting. Uh, laws are not in the southern states. But, you know, it's always good for media to to do that. Um, What The other thing we're trying to do was um, have the federal government be able to um, review changes to state election processes before those state election processes can be implemented. And for those Republicans who voted against it in the House, and perhaps even those Republicans who are, uh, are against it in the Senate, they're they, they are calling overreach. And I think I understand why they're saying that, but, but in 1965, this was the same argument that Southern Democrats were making uh, when this law was first proposed that that's government overreach, you know? <laughs> it, it, so it's just flip-flopped. It, it makes no difference. It was, here it is almost a generation or two later, and the same thing, just on different sides. But um, they also say that this uh, will allow for uh, the prohibition. I mean, not prohibition, reduction, um, to counter the reduction of multilingual voting materials in states where there's a growing um, population, not just Hispanic, but a growing immigrant population, a non-English speaking population or English as second language speaking population. Now, Again, this is not just in the South. This is across the the nation. And so they're saying uh, the federal government should intervene and make sure all states provide this, which states can do. And one of the reasons we do the census is to get a better understanding of who are in our states so that we can better uh, adjust to what is needed for the citizens of the state. and. Um, The other thing it allows the federal government to do is, like it did back in 65, um, state whether states or jurisdictions uh, can be covered for results-based violations, where the effect of a particular voting measure, which includes voter ID laws, can lead to racial discrimination. Or deny citizens their right to vote. Now, a lot of this information I'm coming is getting from uh, I'm getting from some straight from the uh, the House and others from uh, uh, a senator from Massachusetts <laughs> who put this out for his constituents. Now, um, the reason it stalled in the Senate. Is because of what we now see that's made the national headlines, and uh, President Biden has been pushing is the filibuster. Now, this is the confusing thing for a lot of people uh, um, because when we hear filibuster, in particular, in in in, in the in in government you know we think about this long speech blah 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 so forth and so on but he, the thing about it is the filibuster has been around for a long time it was once rarely used and then in more modern history it had been implemented um over a number of times now the filibuster in and it of itself is it's it's has been implemented, has been not implemented it you know, it basically just requires a sixty vote threshold, right? That means that it requires Senate is a hundred persons, uh it requires sixty of those hundred to vote positively, you know, I towards a particular thing. And it's not just on a bill, it's on resolutions, well that's a bill, but it's also on rules and it's also on you know speaking who gets to speak and all this stuff so it's not it's not just for you know right now it's only headlines because it's easy to push filibuster 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 most people are not going to listen or or go and research what it is it's just you know well there the senate is 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 uh you know they won't change the filibuster so and it's what it is in pure essence is unlimited debate right that's that's it that's all a, fil- a filibuster is, but it's if pursued in earnest and this is according to NPR it can keep a piece of Senate business off the floor indefinitely and the majority leader of the Senate, can either remove the issue or file a motion to invoke cloture. And cloture is basically saying, we're going to close this and we're going to take a vote. They can take a vote on the amendments. They can take a vote on all that. Eventually, they'll take a full vote on passage of the bill. And that's, you know, that's why business and legislature takes so long. The, the, the debate is what it, every every representative and every senate senator is is able to do it, and that just means that one party can hold it up, the other party can hold it up. That's that's what it is. This goes back for decades. It's, you know, I do you ever watch the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? And I remember watching that movie in history class, and that's when I first learned about this thing and, and you know it, of course that movie was art depicting life depicting art in so many words but it this was used the filibuster was used by southern democrats in the 60s against voting rights and if you believe that the Southern Democrats are now Southern Republicans, you know the Southern strategy of Nixon and all of that. Then you you you're saying that this is in the DNA of this this group of be, this people, right? This is in the DNA. But it's been used by Democrats under President Obama. When the late Harry Reid was Senate Majority Leader, he invoked the filibuster to get the health care plan passed, to get all the other stuff passed because they had the majority and, you know, Republicans felt weak. But anyway, changing the filibuster really won't do much. I, I mean, right now, the only reason that we're even talking about this is because it's the easiest way to try to put pressure on senators to act. When you know we already know the Senate is slow. They have a lot of things they they a lot of bills before them, and it's just slow. Some things make it to uh, make it past the House, and and think about all the gun violence prevention legislation that passed out of the House but stalled in the Senate. Think about all the criminal justice and uh, sentencing, sentencing reform bills that passed out of the House, but stalled in the Senate. When both part, you know, when the when the Republicans were majority and when the Democrats were majority, it just stalled. That's just how unfortunately it works right now because there's this close, close, close divide, you know. And you have these two senators who are Democrats trying to basically manipulate and get clout, and they did it with the um, infrastructure bill, and they're doing it now with this with this bill. Um, it it it's, it's just it's crazy. But anyway, I just wanted to say all of that to, to remind people that voting rights are not under attack. Okay, voting rights are secure for every legal citizen in America. Not gonna change. What may seem as restrictions in some states are to ensure the integrity of those state elections are maintained. And every individual can contribute to that by simply getting more involved in the political process. No a lot of people don't even know who their local representative is in their state legislature, most less likely to know who their representative is in federal Congress. And Some people don't even know who their, uh, you know, council person is. And most people, especially people, black people and older black people, were conditioned to vote, you know, vote the way, just vote down the line. You know what I mean? I, I forgot the phrase was vote the ticket. Vote the ticket. And that's what they did. They voted the ticket. That's all, you know, for the most part, and probably even the same way on the Republicans. They voted the ticket. It didn't matter who was on the ticket. If the, they were Democrat, now well, we just got to vote. That's how we vote. If they're Republican, well, that's how we vote. Sometimes voting against their own interests in both parties, and we're seeing that happen. We saw it happen in 2016. We saw it happen in 2020. But either way, we just got to be more engaged in the political process. Your voting rights are not going to be taken away from you. They're not going to – and I've said this before when it comes to regressive nostalgia. We want to go back to this place where, you know, there are those tests. Those, there are those restrictions. We're not going back there. Some people want us to go back there, black and white, but it's not going to happen. I hope it never happens, but some people would like to believe that it's happening at a national level when it really is. But anyway, I digress. I, I ran it a little bit too much <laughs> today, but anyway, this is my new show for the new year. I'm looking forward to you to uh, joining with us. Make sure that you follow us on all our social media. Again, we are the Zero Network on Facebook. We are Zero Radio on Twitter. Follow us. Become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Sign up there. Make sure you get a copy of my book. we got some exciting things coming down the line through our digital media company. We appreciate you so much. Um, thank you for all your support. Thank you for all that you do. Make sure that you... Um, Tune in every time. Sign up so you get notified when we do our show. Appreciate you so much. This is Dr. Neil, and I am out. Until next time, bless you.